All right, good morning. All right, we're getting ready to get started here. We, but just so you know, we tested it all beforehand. So I have a love-hate love relationship with technology, okay? So anyway, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Invite the Lord in this time. Uh, Lord, thank you this morning. I thank you even as what just happened uh, has to do with the message because uh, the message is about learning contentment. And so uh, sometimes when technology doesn't work, I have to <laughs> learn a little bit more each and every day. But Lord, uh, we thank you this morning. It's been such a great time of worship, Lord. And, and thank you that, um, uh, just for Philip and his time here and how much we've seen him grow. And uh, Lord, thank you just for, uh, we pray for what's coming. We look forward to that in his life, your future, your plans for his life. Lord, we thank you for that we worship you in so many different ways, and you teach us that we worship you in song, we worship you as we serve you, as we, we, as we are Jesus with skin on for the people around us, Lord, as we share Jesus around us. And, and, uh, and then, Lord, as well as when we give, even as, 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 as uh, Tony led us, and we, as we give, we are also worshiping you and showing you our worship. So, Lord, now we worship you in your word, and Lord, I pray this morning uh, that you would continue uh, to change us, continue to make us more like Jesus. Lord, we, we, we've been, we're going to study a chapter as we finish the book of Colossians, Lord. Um, you're going to teach us this morning about contentment and about generosity as well. And so, Lord, I just pray that we'd open our hearts to receive from you this morning and then that, Lord, we would receive and then respond and apply what we learn into our lives. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start us out with a story this morning. Uh, as the story goes, there was a plane full of retirees heading for Florida, and they were gripped with fear when the pilot announced this. Two of our engines are on fire. We are flying through a heavy fog, and it has eliminated virtually all visibility. Imagine that. The passengers were numb with fear except for one, a semi-retired minister. And he said, now, now, keep calm, folks. Let's all bow our heads and pray. And immediately the, groups, the group bowed their heads to pray except for one fellow near the back. Why aren't you bowing your head to pray, the minister asked. Well, I don't know how to pray, replied the passenger. Well, do, do something religious, piped somebody else. And so the man got up and he started walking down the aisle, passing his head. Passing his hat, taking an offering. I knew that was going to, I knew that might not collect with you guys. So when many of us, the reason I bring that joke up, that, that was a dud, man. When many of us brought the, when many of us think about messages such as uh, on stewardship, this kind of thinking comes to mind. And so the theme this morning are it's really two primary areas, contentment and generosity. And contentment and generosity are good for us, and they're glorifying to God. And so as we uh, go into the Word this morning, I'm going to start with verse 10. I'm going to read the first four verses, and then we'll start to break down the passage. Uh, read with me, starting in verse 10. It says, I rejoice, this is Paul speaking, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, 
whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen? Amen. Uh, this morning we're going to learn that developing contentment is essential for living out our place in God's mission. Uh, Paul begins this, se- this section by telling the Philippians that he rejoices greatly, not so much because of their gift, although he appreciated it, but because of their caring for him. And their, their gift expressed that caring. As, as you know, from as we've gone through this book, and we're finishing the book of Philippians today, which is a blessing, uh, as you know, going through this book, joy is a prominent theme in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And especially in chapter 4, and I encourage you, if you haven't read the chapter, read the entire chapter sometime this, this week. The, the amazing thing is that Paul encourages them to rejoice. When? At all times and in all circumstances. But we'll get more into that later. In verses 11 to 13, Paul explains, again, that he's not rejoicing because they met a need in his life, even though they have met a need. But the real reason he rejoices is really explained in verse 14, where he speaks to how they've shared in his troubles, or better yet, identified with his pain. Now, as you think about that, I want you to think of someone in your life that's identified with your pain at a time in your life. What that means is that person's walking with you. And when I think about that for me, uh, I can't help but think about Tim Larkin. Uh, Tim Larkin was an associate pastor at our church in 1990. 1990 is when I came to the church. Uh, and when I came to UBC, I was a hot mess, okay? I mean, any of you that heard my testimony, you know that I was living in Evanston. I was shacking up uh, with a lady, and I was in a bad relationship. It was really an a abusive relationship. And it was verbally abusive. I thank God it hadn't got physically abusive, but that's where we were heading. And uh, when I first met with Tim in January 1990, he was the first counselor that didn't try to fix it. He said, there's no fixing this. You got issues. You need to let that relationship go. We need to start working on you. And so he began that journey with me and started working and meeting with me and counseling me. And, uh, and he walked with me on that journey. And, and I have to tell you that The thing I remember about Tim is that he didn't give up on me because I left. I left right around March or April. I went back. I went back. I got my uh, uh, my, my income tax check, went right back, and and then in July of 1990, I called him again, and I was finally tired of being tired. And he came, met me up in uh, Rogers Park, uh, actually over that Baker Square. It's it's not there anymore, but right on Western and Tui. And, um, and he began to counsel me, and he, he, he brought me in. He actually took the risk of bringing me into this church, and he put me up in uh, that Berean room. It used to be a makeshift apartment. He let me know, I'm taking a risk by putting you up here. And if you mess this up, you're, you're out on the street, you know. But he walked with me, and he counseled me, and at the same time he was counseling me, he was leading me to Jesus. And in September of 1990, I gave my life to Christ. I have not looked back. And so, praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. Um, and I just thank him for, for walking with me through a difficult time in my life. And we all need people that will walk with us through those difficult times. It, it's not a matter of, of, of if it's going to happen. It will happen. It's when it happens. But we need someone in that time. And I think and Tim was that for me. Paul also has something to teach them. Moving on. 
that is much deeper, more significant than the needs we experience in this, in this, in this life. He tells them about a major lesson he learned in life. Paul had learned a contentment that did not depend on his circumstances and thus did not change when his circumstances changed. I'll say that again. Paul had learned a contentment in life that did not depend on his circumstances and therefore did not change as his circumstances changed. Praise the Lord. Uh, contentment means living with a fulfillment that is deeper than can be affected by our changing circumstances. And the, the word for contentment is a Greek word that I honestly cannot pronounce, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't pronounce that word, but it, what it means is sufficient for oneself or strong enough to need no aid or support independent of external circumstances. So when I think about contentment, sometimes I think I get this picture in my mind of a person who sits back and has this pleasant smile on their face and nothing ever bothers them. Nothing, although it seems to ruff, ruffle their feathers, but nothing seems to, to, to stir them either. And my question is, is that what contentment is? And the answer is no. No, that's not true contentment. Paul sounds so positive, so confident, doesn't he, in this, in, in this passage. But what were, were Paul's circumstances? Well, Paul was in prison, quite possibly in Rome, facing a death sentence. That's what was going on with Paul's life. Talk about contentment not being tied to your circumstances. Amen? This passage speaks powerfully to the issue of contentment, not only with material possessions, but with our circumstances as well. And Paul makes no idle boast here. He knew firsthand the wealth, the privileges, and the prominence in the Jewish community. And, and he was also a Roman citizen. And yet, on the other hand, he has suffered extraordinary hardships in his work. He suffered jailings. He suffered beatings. Stonings, to say nothing of the emotional and spiritual disappointment and setbacks. His contentment had nothing to do with his circumstances. And yet he said he had learned contentment beyond his circumstances. Now that's amazing, people, right? That's amazing. But bringing it to you, me, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to you and I? Well, someone once said, life, living fully doesn't mean having it all. In going everywhere and doing everything because in being all things to all people. And many of us in this COVID season are beginning to see that too much is too much. It gets in the way of being able to enjoy the things that we want to do in our lives and to simply be who we are. So I read that scripture before in 1 Timothy 6, we're going to come back. But God talks about just being content. He says, you didn't bring anything in this world, you're not going to take anything out of it. We need to be content. And the American dream says, in, in contrast to that, it says that if you have all this stuff, it's going to bring you happiness. But there's a hook to that. And the hook is our pursuit of a bigger bank account leads to what? The neglect of our Lord, the neglect of our friends, the neglect of our family. Yeah, I remember traveling to Greece uh, when, when Sarah was a baby. And uh, she was not yet born. So, Sarah, you did travel to Greece. Uh, Whew, mama was ripping and running. I had to keep counseling your mama. You take it easy. You got a baby. <laughs> okay. But she had a good time. We had a good time in Greece. But I remember one of the things I learned from the people in Europe at that time, one, they have much longer vacations than us. They have four or five weeks, some of them. They travel all over Europe during that time. But one of the things they said is they said, Americans live to work. 
we work to live. And I, that stood out to me. You know, we get a couple weeks and we go, and, uh, but a lot of times we're just work, work, work. And they said, we, you know, we don't live to work, we work to live. And so achieving this a level of inner simplicity makes it possible for us to choose intelligently the things that are meaningful in our lives. And I pray that you're learning that during this season. You know, one of the things that we did um, this past Friday when we had prayer is we actually had a time of sharing the blessings of COVID. We had a time just sharing the blessings of COVID. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but we were sharing the things that God has taught us in this time. One of my sisters shared, she said, you know, one of the things that we've learned is what God is in control and we are not. If you, amen? God is in control and we are not. It might be the greatest country in the world, but, but we are not in control. And we have learned that God has humbled our nation. He's humbled, humbled the world, worldwide. Okay? And we've learned that God is in control and we are not. And, and then we've, we've learned about relationships and how important they are. We've learned about prayer. We're praying each and every day. I pray more now than I've ever prayed. And, 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 and we, as I said, we meet Tuesday through Friday, 7 to 8. We never run out of things to pray for. We, we used to just pray on Wednesday. So I, we, all these different things that God is teaching us in this time, the importance of our family, important of, and then we even talked about social responsibility. You guys are learning that even in, in here now by wearing the mask. You're learning it's not just about you. When you take off that mask and you walk around and you come up on people and do those things, you put them in jeopardy. So it's not just about us, right? And so that's something important that our nation needs to learn. A lot of people still don't want to learn it, but it's not just about us. We have a social responsibility. So that's just a few of the things. But as I said, these things that we are learning, um, they contribute to our peace if they ultimately mean that we do fewer things and have less stuff. We don't need all this stuff. But that decision will not come so much from self-denial, but from wisdom that comes from taking the time to figure out what is important to us and letting all the rest go. One of the things that we've learned during this time is what? The relationship with God is what's most important. Amen? We need time, he, he, and he wants that time. He's removed all these obstacles so that we can spend that time with him. So we need to be pressing into that time with him. There's a couple of scriptures that I'm going to refer to. I want you to look up later, but Hebrews 13, 5, and 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. And, and what they talk about is it, it's really talking about our finances. It's talking about money. And as I read that scripture earlier to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6, God says you can't. You can't bring anything in this world. You can't take it with you. And so we should be content in what we have. He says, if you have food and clothing, you should be content in that. So you don't need all that. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because is we're so caught up in our country in this rat race to have more and more, and, and it does not satisfy. Because there's always a new Apple phone. There's always a new car. There's always, you know, you continue to pursue. In the meantime, you miss out on your relationships. You miss out on the Lord. Uh, my wife and I used to talk about this when our, our kids were young. We made a decision when we had kids that Mary Ellen was going to be home and that she's going to work part-time, and, and, but, but she's going to primarily be home. And the reason we made this decision was we didn't want daycare raising our children. 
We didn't want to hear from the daycare worker what Sarah did that day or Matthew did that day. We, we wanted to experience it. And so Mary Ellen did go back to work, but she's always worked part-time. But, you know, we always have to have this yearly conversation because sometimes when money gets short, when you got more month than money, you wonder why you're doing what you're doing. And so we had to meet every year and say, hey, why are we doing this? Why didn't you do full-time and, you know, like because all the rest of the families, both parents were working full time, you know, but, but we, you know, we had to remind ourselves we're doing this so that we can be with our children, so we can raise the, our children and, and, and train them up in the Lord. And that's what's more important. We had to even teach our children because I remember, I remember with our kids, um, I remember Matthew wanting that smartphone. He wanted, he had kids in grade school that had a smartphone, believe that. He wanted a smartphone. I said, no, you, you don't need a phone. <laughs> it's not time for that yet. Uh, but he would argue with me and say, you know, but the rest of my friends, they all have smartphones. And I said, do you notice when you go over the rest of your friend's house that neither parent is home? Okay. They're both, they're working. They're working. I said, but your parent, your mom is home. You know, and I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. And, but they had to, they've learned it. They had to learn it. But you get the point of what I'm saying. We don't need all that. There's a church sign that said this, we don't need more to be thankful, but we need to be more thankful. I'll say that again. We don't need more to be thankful, but we need to be more thankful. Amen? Contentment, if we're honest, is something that does not come natural to us. It's something we have to learn, or God has to teach us. And learning is a process. It takes time and usually involves test. Right? So God's going to test us. And tests are, come in various ways. And that, that first word in verse 12, translated need, actually means to be humbled or brought low. While the last word in the same usual word for need in verse 11. Um, and, and I think there's a hint here for being content when, we experience, when we're experiencing need. And, and we need to recognize that God might be using this time in our lives to humble us and to make us more dependent on him and to draw closer to him in this season. As I said earlier, I shared some of those blessings with Colved with you. And, and I really feel, I really feel like God's doing that in, in, our, in our church. He's drawing us closer to him and, and using us to spur one another to draw, draw near to him. Contentment, as I said, is, it's a quality that is learned. And, I, and, and, and so Paul is able to say, I know how. I now know how. He has learned. He has been instructed. But contentment takes more than know-how. It requires strength. And so contentment is, is ability to receive through God's strength. Now, unfortunately, that, that verse that we read earlier, I can do all things through Christ has, through strengthens me, has been misused, okay? It's been taken out of context and used to reinforce like this super-Christian mentality. And, and that's not what it's about. Instead of seeing that the strength, instead of, there's not a super Christian mentality. Instead, we need to see that the strength of Christ in Paul's life was manifest in his ability to be content when he did suffer. When he did suffer. And, and, and what was Paul's strength? Anybody? What was Paul's strength? Christ who strengthens me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Rather than looking to the possessions he had or didn't have or to his circumstances, good or bad, Paul looked to Christ to satisfy his needs. And then the result 
he said was contentment. So union with the living, exalted Christ is the secret of contentment and the source of Paul's abiding strength. Amen? 2 Corinthians, I want, to let, want you to look this up later. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. I'm not going to read it. But in that passage, if you remember, that was the passage where, where Paul was pleading with the Lord. He pleaded with him three times to remove a thorn. We don't know what that thorn was. We don't know if it was illness. We're not sure what it was. But he, he talks about the reason for the thorn later on. He talks about that God did this so that he wouldn't be conceited and, and those sorts of things. Because was, God was giving him visions and everything else. And he says, God gave me this thorn so that I would not be conceited. And, and he said, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes God has to break us down in order to use us. So we think it's about us. It's not us. And one of my sisters shared with me on, on a Friday at prayer, she shared with the man that she, God moved her once um, she was sharing about folks that are really struggling in the season. And if you guys, we know that there's mental challenges in our community, right? But if you've not seen it, you see it more now than ever because with the isolation, it's, it's coming out, it's affecting us all. And, and they were moved to, to this man that they saw and it moved it to give a gift to him. And, and, and the, Lord, the word that God put, put on her heart was compassion. Have compassion. Have compassion during this time. But she, but she said to him, this gift is coming from Jesus. You think it's coming from me, but it's coming. God, God is using it's Jesus working through me. And he thanked her for the gift. And so it is, is Jesus working through us. And, and, and we, we must always realize, we must always put this precious statement of faith in connection with this verse. John 15, 5. What does John 15, 5 says? For without me, what? You can do nothing. It's Christ working through us. We have to stay connected to him, connected to the vine. And with Jesus, what? We can do all things. But without him, we can't do anything of value. Amen? Amen. Although the immediate context here points very obviously to material contentment, sometimes there are other areas. And now I'm going to get to the bread and butter here, guys. Where this is where the rubber hits the road for some of y'all. There are other areas where there's a greater struggle for us to be content with. So my question is, what, where are you struggling to find contentment? For some of us, it's singleness. Some of us are in this room, and, and we, 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 we struggle because it's like, what, 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 am I ever going to find a spouse? I'm going to be single forever. And, and if this is, a tough, you, this is a tough time to find a spouse right now, right, okay? <laughs> You're not just taking off that mask for anybody, okay? And so, I mean, it's a tough time. But God wants to teach you contentment even in that. For some of us, it's the opposite. It's marriage, you know? He said, hey, I was used to doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And, and, and now I got somebody here. They want to know where I'm at, when I'm going to go. I remember early on, early on when Mary and I were, were married, very early on, I was just a few months in, and uh, she was gone. And I had no way to get in contact. I don't, think we, I don't even know if we had cell phones then. But um, I remember contacting uh, a friend. I actually called her pastor at the time, uh, uh, Jim Larson, checking out, and I called the called the popo. They <laughs> said, don't bother us. This ain't been 48 hours yet. But all that, the long story short is she had gone out to see a movie with a friend, and she saw Schindler's List that night. It's a very long movie. Came back, and she was all embarrassed. But 
She's like, I'm just not used to you being here. I'm used to just doing whatever I want. I didn't know I had to check in, you know. But that's how it is. So some of us, it's marriage, getting used to that. But so for others, it's, it's, it's their jobs. For some of us, it's a lack of a job. Some of us, it's our job, maybe that's not properly paid, and you know, you're struggling with contentment there. Whatever the source of discontentment is, Jesus ultimately is our source of true peace. Amen? He's our source of true peace. So we have to be, and lastly I want to say before we move on, we have to be careful here as well because sometimes God uses a lack of contentment to move or motivate us. Sometimes he has to do that to move us and, and to look at a situation and say something's not right here and maybe what is needed is for us to get involved to make it right. But we have a much better chance of making things right if we approach the situation not from a sense of personal discontentment or criticism. Sometimes we get mad at the Lord, right? We get upset at the situation. But the question we need to ask in that situation is, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this season? What is it that you want me to learn right now in this, this situation that you put me in? And then just wait for God to show you. He will show you. Moving on, verse 14 through 17, it says, Yet it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even as I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. And so, moving on, our giving in support of God's mission is for what? God's good, for your good, and for God's glory. And it is good for us, and, and good, good of us and for us to give in support of God's mission. Amen? The Philippians not only shared in Paul's ministry, spiritually speaking, in other words, they were praying for him, they were lifting him up, but they also support him at the practical level of financial support. And when we give to those in need, it not only benefits the receiver, but it also benefits us as well. You're blessed when you give. You're blessed when you give. And there's a sense, there's a real sense in which the giving of the Philippians was better for them than it was for Paul. Godly giving actually does more good for the one who gives than for the one who receives. Amen? I want to say a good uh, a word about uh, Vet Martin. Uh, this is not so much financial speaking, but we gave of ourselves yesterday, and I want to thank you, Pastor Allen, thank you, Doug, and, and Len, and Darnese, and the rest of, rest of, of UBC that was able to be there. Um, we gave of ourselves yesterday, you know, um, and, and, you know, I, frankly, you know, I, I wanted it to start at two and end at four. It didn't, it didn't go like that, you know, but we gave of ourselves because they needed that support, and that's going to need ongoing support. But when we, when we give, I, we receive a blessing. I was blessed to be there. I was blessed by the testimonies that I heard. I was blessed to meet the person that walked with Yvette through her sobriety bringing in, and just giving testimony to God. And I was blessed when Elder Doug shared the gospel. I mean, he shared the gospel clear as day. And I trust that the word, as God said, it will not go out null and void. That God would use that word to start to put together that family because that family really needs it, really needs it. And, and, and that we were, I know that we encouraged Yvette. Because you imagine her working up today and those three grandkids. And we encouraged the grandkids as well. And so that, we need to 
be about doing that. We need to be about giving of ourselves. And, and I pray that would always be a mark of our church, that we just continue to give. Because when we give, what? guess what? God gives back. God blesses us. Amen? Moving on. In verse 18 through 20, it says, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Ephrodites the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You hear the language here of sacrifice and turning the focus from human benefits of giving to God. Giving sacrificially as an expression of thanksgiving is pleasing to the Lord. And God is glorified through our giving and his providing for our needs. We give, he provides. Amen? You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And so verse 19 is a wonderful promise which draws on this inexhaustible supply of God's glorious riches. Now the, 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 the thought here is if we have not, if we're not faithful in, in financially giving to God's work, like the Philippians were, are we eligible to receive this promise? And so we're blessed when we give. God gives that blessing back. It's, it's a, it's, we need to do both those things together. In what sense is this promise part of that partnership outlined in this passage? So we're blessed, what? To be a blessing. That's the point. We're blessed to be a blessing. And, and now we can trust God to provide for all our needs. You may say, I'm, 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 I'm blessed to report that as we enter and we finish the month of August, that our church is blessed that we are in good financial shape. This is, isn't that, that's a blessing. That's a praise to the Lord, okay? Because that's during COVID season. That's during the summer, which is usually our downtime. Uh, and, and people have just been faithful. And you've been faithful. I continue to encourage you to just be faithful. And as you do that, the Lord will continue to bless. And as we bless, we use that blessing to bless others. Even as we're doing now and doing our backpack drive, and we just continue to look for how we can be a blessing. And so... Um, we just need to continue doing that. And, and so the promise here is to supply all of our need, and I want to be clear here, not all of our want. All of our need, not all of our want. God isn't interested in what I want. He's interested in what I need and what you need. And this is key because we can have all the stuff, but what is our tendency when we get all the stuff? Our tendency is to forget God. We forget God. And it talks about that, if you read that passage in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, it talks about that love of money. Nothing wrong with money, but when we fall in love with it, it's the root of all evil. It leads you away from the Lord. And so, likewise, our culture that we live in, our culture in, in America really is a culture of discontent. It really is, because it's always talking about what you need, what you don't have. You know, get the next car, get the next whatever it is and stuff. And so it teaches us more, uh, more about wanting bigger and better things. And, and it says that will bring happiness. And Jesus says what? Watch out for greed. Watch out for greed. And so the measure of God's supply is staggering. According, it says according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And since there's no lack in God's riches in glory, we should anticipate that there will be no lack in God's supply. All right? Amen? And many of us can testify to this. We've seen God work in incredible ways. As, 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 as Philip talked earlier, we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle in our church. And the rewarding is not merely from his wealth, 
but also in a manner that befits his wealth and a scale worthy of his, of his wealth, the Lord's wealth. So notice lastly uh, the word glory in both verses 19 and 20. What Paul says in verse 19 compels, us, compels him to express praise to God's glory. It's all about God's glory. Whatever God does here, it's about his glory. When God provided for that elevator, guess what? It's about God's glory. Because now we can reach people that what we couldn't reach before. And it's more and more that, that elevator, we did not know how much we needed the elevator at that time, did we? But we know now. I take it some days, okay? <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that. Aches and pains come. A lot of us take that elevator. But also, it's reached this community. And so, but it's for his glory. And ultimately, the reason for our giving should not be for our own good or for what we receive from God through our giving. Rather, it is when we recognize that God is worthy of our gifts and we give solely for his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last three verses, verse 21 through 23, it says, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. That is the book of Philippians, brothers and sisters. Um, as I close, I want to ask you a couple of questions, then I'm going to close our time. So my, my question is, are you really in need or are you discontented because you don't have what you want? That's a question you need to ask. Are you really in need or are you discontented because you just don't have what you want? Is there a difference between want and needs? And then my, my other question for you, and you really need to ask God for this, is ask God to help you learn, help us learn, to give you the strength to be content. And I say that to all of us because I struggle with being content sometimes in this season. There are days, there are days where I'm like, man, when is this going to be over? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I thought, I told you guys, I thought this was going to be like a few weeks. And it's, it's not a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. And, you know, they talk about, oh, we're going to get this vaccine. I don't know when the vaccine's coming. I pray it comes tomorrow. But may we be content in the meantime, Amen. And lastly, train yourself, and we need to continue. Train yourself to give generously out of gratitude for your own good and for God's glory. No, 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 don't give just because I'm telling you to give. Give for God's glory. It's about Him. Amen? It's about Him. So as I close, maybe you're here today, and you've never experienced God's generosity by receiving the salvation that He freely gives to you as a gift. That's the most important thing. You may have experienced God's generosity in other ways, but none are even close to how his generosity shines in his gift of forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ. So as you bow, let's bow our heads, and I want to talk about that just a minute as we pray. Lord God, I pray for those that are here and hearing this message. Pray for those that are going to hear the message over the Internet later. But if you're here today, the most important thing is that you've surrendered your life to Christ. God knows that we are sinners and he asks for us to be honest and admit our sinfulness to him. He knows that we cannot fix ourselves. We cannot, we can't do enough to be right with him. And so he asks simply this, to wave the white flag, to surrender, to acknowledge our sinfulness and to ask for forgiveness. 
And we ask for forgiveness by inviting, acknowledging Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, who came, who died for your sin and for my sin. And you simply ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin. You repent, you turn towards him. You ask him for forgiveness. And you tell him that you put your trust in him as both your Lord and your Savior. Your Lord meaning that you want him to lead your life. And that you will follow his lead. And your Savior recognize that he's the only one that can rescue you. So I want to encourage you, if you've not already done that, to, to put your trust in him today and then to let us know. You can speak to one of our deacons in the back of the service after the service. Let us know that you made that decision. And that's the most important decision that you can make. Because then you will not only experience God's generosity in other ways, but you will experience his generosity in this life, both abundant life that he gives now and eternal life with him when you leave this world. Lastly, for those that are here and you already know Christ, pray that God would teach you contentment, that we would both all learn contentment together, that we wouldn't be grumbling and complaining all the time, but we would learn to have our contentment that Jesus is enough. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Philip's going to to the prison I've worn shackles and chains but I've been freed and forgiven yes I have I'm not going back I'll never be the same that's why I sing oh my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. 
There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man. It brings him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, I have. Then he picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. That's why I sing, oh, my hope is in Jesus. And thank God that yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. Yes, they are. I've been washed by the blood. Come on and sing. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. No, my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. I've been washed by the blood. And I've been washed by. The blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. is good. Philip, it's hard letting you go. <laughs> but God is good. Brothers and sisters, look forward to, uh, to gathering again next week. Um, remember, we're going to celebrate Philip on September 27th, so I want to encourage you to prepare for that, and we're going to shower him with some gifts and some other surprises, so I'm excited, looking forward to that time. And then uh, be in prayer for music ministry as uh, Mike Choby and the music ministry as we step forward uh, in that new season. Um, God takes this new, new season, so it's a new, new season for you, brother. Excited for you. I um, also want to encourage you a couple other things just to re remind you of. Um, as I said, talk to our deacons in the back if you've received Christ or um, if you're new today, I want to encourage you to go back there. Also, we are continuing to do our backpack drive. Uh, we're going to continue to bless our community in the midst of this season. So um, you're still time to give to that. So feel free. Uh, school supplies are still on sale. You can bless us with the supplies or backpacks. Fill them up. I encourage you just to uh, continue to be a part of that. And I encourage you to join us for prayer uh, Tuesday through Friday, 7 to 8. Um, we are having a good time. We're having a good time just praying together. Uh, a lot happens between Sunday to Sunday, amen? So we, we, need, to be, we need to be prayerful. So, and then I'm excited. Uh, you will next week you will receive a, an update. I want to remind you, receive an update from our search team. And so just be looking at that as well. Be praying for them. 
But with that said, I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. Let's give the Lord thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. All our hope is in Jesus. And thank God our yesterday is gone, Lord. It's a new day. Thank you, get us up. And even when we have bed, it's a new day. Day with Jesus, Lord. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You with us. God with us. So thank you for that, Lord, that you're walking with us on this journey. And Lord, help us to remind one another that and help us to walk with each other, encourage one another in the Lord. So I pray, Lord, we would press in to our relationship with you and continue to grow in this season. And Lord, we also pray that you would use us. Lord, so many people, their hope isn't in Jesus right now. They don't have hope. And we have that hope, so help us to be about offering that hope to others, about being compassionate and using the opportunities that you give us to reach people, to lead them to you. We give you the glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.